Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, good afternoon. Chris Merrill in from John and Ken this afternoon here at KFI AM 640. It's more stimulating talk. Deborah, good to be back with you. I love working with you. You're the best. Oh, you're so sweet. I bet you say that to everybody. I do. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that's just the kind of guy. I know. Yeah. You're a nice but no, guy. But I mean it with you. Oh, well, I do. thank you, Chris. Because every time I'm around you, I just look at your outfit and feel like I'm on a safari. And that's <laughs> yep. the best feeling ever. Do you like my uh, my leopard cape? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty Of course cool. I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're a magical person. Uh, i got to figure out what the hell's still going on in uh, Ukraine. Every day there's more stories, and, and then, of course, every day there's more Internet garbage, too, that I know is uh, unbelievable. So to help us straighten that out is our ABC News correspondent, Inez De La Quintera. And uh, Inez, so great to have you on the program. Uh, uh, here from you're in Poland right now, right? So what's the what's the vibe right now, and what's going on in Poland? Hey, yeah. So Poland, I mean, really taking in so many refugees, and the numbers just keep climbing. So uh, we started the week; it was uh, two million refugees had crossed over from Ukraine, not just into Poland, but all around. Uh, you know, so Poland, Moldova, Romania, Hungary. Um, but we are now at 2.2 million, and that number continues to climb. So a steady stream of refugees. I've certainly seen that on the ground here. Um, and the Poles in particular have taken in, the, you know, the vast majority of those refugees. Um, and they've done so with open arms. They've really welcomed these refugees into their own homes. There are, uh, you know, so many volunteers, whether I've been to train stations here, uh, refugee centers. I was at a border crossing. And uh, the, those places are just, um, you know, there's so many volunteers there to, to welcome refugees with, uh, you know, a warm meal, uh, medical supplies, anything they, they might need. And the Poles offering uh, rooms in their own homes uh, for shelter. They're also offering rides to other parts of Poland, other parts of Europe. So the Poles are, are really being praised um, for, for the way they've, they've handled this crisis. So, Inez, uh, what's the vibe from the from the people that have fled Ukraine? Obviously, they must be fearful in order for them to to leave their their homeland. But are they hopeful, or do they feel as though the the end of this entire conflict is a foregone conclusion? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's interesting. It depends who you talk to. Um, I think if you talk to, I've noticed a generational divide, to be honest. So uh, the, the older generation have kind of resigned themselves to the fact that this is going to go on for a while and they should just start uh, building a new life elsewhere. So, you know, I, I spoke to an older woman, woman who uh, was going to start her life over again in Poland, spoke to an older man who was going to be staying with his daughter here in Poland. He also seemed to think that the crisis was going to go on for a while and that he didn't, uh, he wasn't making plans to return. But you talk to the younger uh, crowd, uh, you know, it's a lot of young moms uh, with their kids who left their husbands behind. They are determined to go back. Um, they, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of young people I've spoken to uh, are confident. I, I don't know if they're just projecting confidence or if they really believe this, but they continue to say that Ukraine will win, uh, they will be victorious, and they want to return to their husbands uh, as quickly as possible. A few, a few of the young women I've spoken with aren't even waiting for the fighting to, to necessarily end. They just want the fighting to uh, to, to kind of quiet down so that it's safe enough for them to return, but they're not necessarily waiting for the end of the war. And as De La Cutera is joining us, our ABC News correspondent, she's in Poland right now. There is a, a slow advancement by the Russian military on Kiev right now. Uh, I know they moved, uh, they moved up about three more miles here uh, in the last uh, couple of days toward the city center. Uh, but that, uh, if they're only nine miles out of the city center right now, that still means that they've taken a pretty sizable portion of, I guess, what we would think of as suburbs. Is, is that uh, an accurate assumption? That is, yeah, that's right. Um, so they are now in a, a northwest Kiev. Uh, they are close to an airport known as the Hostomil Airport, and they have advanced three miles since yesterday. They are now nine miles from the Kiev city center, so they are closing in. Um, they're, they're, you know, being slow, or at least slower than I think uh, the Russians hoped they would be, and, and, and slower than uh, even our American, uh, you know, defense officials thought thought it would. We, we, we certainly expected them to take Kiev, I think, um, more quickly. Uh, but they are making progress, so they're they're slowly but surely advancing on Kiev. Are there concerns right now? Some of what we're hearing back in the states is that Russia may uh, may use chemical weapons, and it may be a false flag type attack where they use the chemical weapons, and they say through their own uh, state-run media, "Oh my goodness, the Americans have have launched chemical weapons." Uh, is there is there concern as you're closer to the heart of what's going on right now that 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 could be the case? Are you hearing any rumblings? Yeah, it's something that the U.S. is concerned about. We're starting to see uh, officials coming out to talk about that. Uh, the Russians have now repeatedly accused the U.S. and Ukrainians of working on developing uh, biochemical weapons, even though there's no evidence of that. Um, and, and there are concerns that the Russians are doing that to then uh, turn around and, 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 and use those very weapons themselves. So uh, that's going to be something to watch in the coming days. We are also starting to see uh, false flag operations or allegations of false flag operations when it comes to uh, Belarus. So just today, Ukrainian officials accused uh, Russia of striking a village in Belarus in a, uh, you know, alleged false flag operation that was meant to then get uh, Belarus to get more involved in this conflict. So, so far, Belarus hasn't really set, sent any uh, boots on the ground. They've mostly acted as a base from which uh, Russian missiles are, are sent to Ukraine or from which Russian equipment is sent into Ukraine, but they haven't actually sent any Belarusian troops. Uh, and so, so Ukrainian officials are, are saying that Russia wants to, 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 you know, deliberately strike Belarusian villages 
to prompt Belarus to get more involved in the conflict. So, you know, as you mentioned, uh, allegedly false flag attacks. What's is what's the you know what's the accuracy of reporting? What's the uh, what's the situation with communication there? I, I assume uh, with Russia shutting down quote unquote fu- uh, fake news that uh, getting accurate reports has to be difficult even if you're not in russia there there must be a multitude of different reports coming from different sources and of course russia no stranger to trying to flood uh, the internets with uh, with their own narratives as well so how how does somebody sort through that right now yes i mean there's a few things going on there's like the, the fog of you know the so-called fog of war where things are happening mm. uh, moving quickly and we're not quite sure what is happening on the ground um, but there is also, you know, each side is projecting confidence and trying to to, to maybe mess with the numbers a little bit and, and, and say that they've maybe killed more people than they, they actually have or that they've suffered less losses than they actually have. So it's hard to know. We are going off of what, um, you know, U.S. defense officials are telling us. Uh, so, so in this case, you know, I was talking about this Belarus uh, false flag operation. That's what the, the Ukrainian officials are, are saying. I, I don't uh, have confirmation yet from from you know U.S. defense officials as to as to what was really going on there. But but I think uh, probably safer at this point to to trust um, U.S. officials uh, when it comes to what's actually happening on the ground. Sure. All right. Well, be safe. Inez de la Cotera, the uh, ABC News correspondent in Poland. And Inez, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And please pass our best along to any of the refugees that you see there because they've got a, you know, they have 320 million people here in the United States rooting for them. So, um, you know, we wish them the best. Thank Will you so do. much. Will do. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having me. You bet. Inez de la Cotera, uh, ABC News correspondent in Poland. So there was, um, there was an accidental death that occurred, very high profile, we're all familiar with it, and the person holding the gun, the gun that fired, the gun that killed someone says, they aren't responsible. How does that shake out? That's next. Chris Merrill in for Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. All right. Chris Merrill, in for Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. It wasn't me. That's the word from Alec Baldwin. Wasn't me. Alec Baldwin, let me lay this out. Alec Baldwin is on the set of an old Western movie. He's holding a gun in his hand. He lifts the gun. He points it toward the camera. He cocks the hammer. The gun goes off and someone dies. Alec Baldwin says, it wasn't me. He might have a point, though. He might have a point. So... Uh, you're probably familiar with the story that uh, last October, Alec Baldwin was on the set of the movie Rust, which is kind of a low-budget Western film, and he was a producer on that. And he was doing a rehearsal with uh, with this handgun, and, um, and he was working with the cinematographer and the director at the time. And uh, according to new filings now that we're finding out, um, because you may have saw, you may have seen the, um, the interview that he did, I think, with George Stephanopoulos, if I'm not mistaken, uh, so he did the interview with George Stephanopoulos, and he said, I didn't pull the trigger, which seemed very strange at the time. I didn't pull the trigger, he said. I didn't pull that trigger. I didn't pull the trigger. And we all kind of scratched our heads and, and thought, uh, then why is somebody dead if he didn't pull the trigger? Well, what we're finding out from the latest uh, court filings is that, according to Baldwin, um, he cocked the gun. But he didn't cock it all the way. And so when he released the hammer, it fired. 
Boom. That's it. That's the story that we're getting right now. And now the cinematographer dies, the director is injured, and the lawsuits are coming. Um, the filing said, as he had done throughout his career, Baldwin trusted the other professionals on the set to do their jobs. Until October 21st, Baldwin had never been involved in a breach of safety on the set of any movie or film, and he has safely handled firearms and other weapons without incident in at least a dozen films and television projects. In the filing, they then go on to list what all of those are. Baldwin has also found himself on set with a gun pointed at him. He has therefore been trained for decades about gun safety on movie sets, and he received familiar training from uh, the handler at that time, uh, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, on the set of Rust. He followed the training when this tragedy occurred. Um, She was killed by a live bullet in a prop gun, although it had live ammo in it. Discharged by Alec Baldwin on October 21st, 2021, the set of Rust. Uh, I mentioned that, blah, blah, blah. Talking to Stephanopoulos, he said, I've been told by people who are in the know in terms of even inside the state that it's highly unlikely that I would be charged with anything criminally. Uh, okay. <laughs> Here's the problem when people say, you know, I've heard from a lot of others that I that it's probably not a big deal. It's... In my mind, a bit ironic that Alec Baldwin used to emphasize that sort of vagary when he played Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live. Many, many people say, many people have told me. And then his excuse when he's talking to to George Stephanopoulos is, uh, lots of people, even people nearby here, have said, it's probably not a big deal. Well, first of all, it is a big deal because somebody died during this, right? So that's a part of it. But the other big deal in, in this entire episode is... Uh, trying to assign responsibility as now we've got a situation where everybody's pointing at somebody else it wasn't me oh maybe it was maybe it was the person on set who's in charge of the armory she says it wasn't me alec baldwin says it wasn't me even said that the cinematographer wanted to work with him and so he was working one-on-one with the cinematographer do you want me to hold the gun up this way do you want it to point that way uh do you want me to cock it Do you want me to point it near the camera how do you want me to do that so he says, uh, even when I was working with her, it wasn't me. Keep saying, it wasn't me. I, uh, I feel for Alec Baldwin because I really don't think that he bears much responsibility, if any. I really don't think he does, just based on the stories I'm hearing. But this hasn't played out in a civil court. We haven't seen any sort of, I mean, there, there have been what they call a charm offensive where he was talking to the widower of the cinematographer and uh and he said look we got to try to find a settlement here let's let's move past this let's work together but evidently that didn't work as lawsuits then came in so suing everybody they can get uh, a name on a piece of paper whether it's baldwin or the the production company or the the uh, armory expert or the prop master and everybody else in between has got their name attached to a lawsuit and it's a mess for everybody alec baldwin can't afford to fight all of this stuff. I'm not so sure everybody else on that set can afford the ongoing legal onslaught that's happening. And everybody's saying, uh, I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible. So, nasty situation, right? And we, I think we knew at the time, oh my goodness, there's been this tragedy on set, and I think we talked about it at the time. We said, what has to happen here? What has to happen as far as uh, uh, making sets safer? How do we, you know, why is there a gun that can even fire a live bullet? Shouldn't we have uh, purely prop guns? Uh, All of these different things. And the industry started looking at what can we do? How do we make sure that everything's safe? I mean, everybody goes through training. Anytime there's a a firearm on the set for any film, there's training for it. 
But that wasn't enough to prevent this tragedy. And it's, it's an absolute tragedy. So that's one of the big aspects that we all talked about last October. But, of course, we knew then that there would be lots of lawsuits. Knowing that there are lots of lawsuits, I think it's interesting to hear Alec Baldwin going out and speaking. I, I don't know that that's in his best interest. And this is where you got the PR guys up against the, the, the lawyers. So the PR guys say, okay, Alec, this is a tragedy. This is horrible. We got to get you out in front of it. We got to get you to control the narrative. We're going to shape the narrative. You're going to talk about what happened. You're going to show remorse. You're going to talk with George Stephanopoulos. He's a nice little fella. You guys can get together and you can you can say that this you know that it wasn't your fault that uh, that there was a tragic accident, and you can tell your side of the story. We got to get you out there. Then you've got the other side of this. It's the lawyers. The lawyers' advice is always to shut the up. Always shut the up. Do not speak. Don't get out there and give anybody any ammunition that could be used uh, against you in any sort of a future case, criminal or civil. But evidently the PR guys are winning out right now because what's being filed are, or what's being presented now, we've got uh, legal filings that are going out there that, again, reiterate what the PR campaign has been saying all along, but it wasn't Alec Baldwin. It wasn't me. It was somebody else. Problem I'm having with all of this who is it? And back to the same conversation that we had five months ago, how do we prevent it from happening again? Right? Because I believe that Alec Baldwin is as affected by this as anybody, save for maybe the cinematographer who died. But he's as affected as anybody. How do we prevent this from happening again? I still haven't heard an answer to that. That's where I'm going to continue to pay attention to this case. Not so much the, the court, or the, the gossip, the tabloid news, but actual changes. How can that happen? Speaking of actual changes, there's been a big change to schools across California. Is it hitting your kids in uh, in uh, Southern California? We'll tell you what that is in just a few moments. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. Kind of a big deal. After dealing with, uh, what are we, at two years? I think we're right at two years, right, since the pandemic started, officially started? Two since years we called it today. A pandemic. Is it today? Yep. Yeah. Two years. How much are things going to go back to the way that they were, Deborah Mark? Do you think that we're going to see things return at all to what we knew in 2019, or, or is, is everything changed from here forward? That's a very good question. All I can mm. say is I'm so over it. <laughs> yeah you and everybody else I on the know. planet so over it so over it uh there are signs that we are getting past it that's good you know it's it's good to start moving forward at the same time we also want to be careful and be safe uh, because we don't want things to relapse right i mean we don't want to go back to where we were uh, even three months ago uh, we just don't want to see that. But it seems that this Omicron variant, as we saw before, has sort of taken over everything else. It spikes very, very high and then kind of drops right off. That seems to be the case uh, here in the United States. We saw this happening in other countries. We thought it might happen here. And, of course, it appears that it has. So for most people, we've kind of pushed past uh, the 
the fear, I suppose, the ongoing dread that if I get the coronavirus uh, or if I go out, I stand a pretty good chance of getting coronavirus and it's this deadly disease. So many people are vaccinated. California, of course, way ahead of so many other states as far as vaccinations go. But uh, it's uh, it's looking a lot more hopeful unless, of course, you're somebody that is sick right now and you're dealing with it, then it feels like trash. And then you feel forgotten. And I get it. I would, too. I like uh, I, I watch those memes online, and it's talking about you know people that never got coronavirus almost feeling left out. It's kind of a, a satirical take, saying you know, oh, I never got coronavirus. Everybody else did. Oh. I never got it. You didn't, and I don't feel left out. I was about to say the same thing. I don't feel left out either. I didn't get it either. You guys are lucky ducks. That's what you are. You are lucky ducks. Although, watch next week, Eric. We both come. Oh, down don't you it. even put that out in the universe? I know. Deborah. That's my saying. Hey. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, guys. A lot of people talking about this Omicron, this Omicron variant spreading so quickly, but let me tell you, I was there before Omicron. Oh, you were? I was there during The Delta. Delta. I was there for Delta. There I was, lying in my bed, sneezing, coughing, headaches. Felt like trash, but I knew I had to fight on. I knew I had to pull through this Delta so I could get back and see my girl. She was waiting for me back home. It's all I could think about. And by back home, I mean she was lying next to me also hacking up gross things out of her throat. It was disgusting. We had to fight through the Delta. Delta was something we'll never forget. It leaves a mark. The kind of mark that stays with you. So for those of you with this Omicron variant, you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing about sickness. Not like I do. Not after Delta. Uh, congratulations by not getting sick, by the way. Did you guys, uh, how did you avoid that? Well, I'm a Eric, you were in studio for most of this, weren't you? I never stopped coming in. And I didn't either, I Chris Merrill. Oh, you didn't? Oh, no, okay. I was here God the whole you. friggin' time. Thank you very much. Oh, well, good on you. You need a new agent, but good on you. I know. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I was not going in and, uh, still, you know. Uh, got the got the Delta. That was because somebody else in the household went to work and they were training someone who came in not feeling well. And uh, the other person in my household was also feeling like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just the flu, which drove me nuts. And then she got it. And then she felt, and then she said, this is worse than the flu. No kidding. <laughs> you don't say. It stunk. But here we are, we're seeing the numbers getting better and better and better, which is great. And now it looks like uh, kiddos uh, may get to uh, ditch those masks. Well, today is the last day most kids have to wear masks indoors at schools. The L.A. County Department of Public Health says it's aligning with the state now. After today, a mask is not required, but is highly recommended. Individual districts, however, will have the option to maintain the mandate if they want. As of now, L.A. Unified has not signaled whether it will be changing its indoor masking requirements. Yeah. Are you worried at all about the kids? I, I have to tell you, after watching and going through so much of this, uh, and especially now that we're out of this Omicron variant, uh, you know, predominantly anyway, uh, I do feel a whole lot more confident. And I'm not so worried about the kiddos in school as what I was a year ago. I was very concerned a year ago. You know, I was one of the people, and I it, it was people seem to have to take sides on the issue. But a year ago, I was one of the people saying, "Let's keep the schools closed for now. Let's reopen them in the fall." 
right? This is remember we were all talking about getting back to school and that the learning was was uh, was uh, this isn't really working and the the at home learning isn't doing such a great job. And I said, look, you're you're in March. We've been at this for a year. Again, I'm talking about one year ago. We've been at this for a year. Let's uh, let's just keep schools. Uh, closed until uh, summer break. Let's get the kids into summer, and then let's uh, let's get through this surge. And then in the fall, if we're doing everything right, we should be in a much better position. That was my that was my stake last year, a year ago. And then of course we had Delta hit, which you know blew the doors off of the the case rates. And then uh, Omicron hit, which uh, which made that look uh, like uh, child's play. But now it looks like the kids are going to go without masks. And um, you know I'm okay with the kids doing that. I'm 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 feeling a whole lot more confident. I caught all kinds of flack last year for saying we got to make sure that we're protecting people. But also, if you remember a year ago, we were not at the point where a ton of people had vaccinations. In fact, I think I was sort of in the middle of the first herd of vaccination. I'm going to pull out my card here. When did I get vaccinated? March 22nd of last year is when I got vaccinated. So a year ago, we weren't even at the point where we were seeing mass vaccinations. We were still seeing very limited vaccinations. But, uh, and I said, look, let's keep the kids home. Let's get everybody vaccinated. And then we can go back in the fall. Well, some did keep kids home. Some didn't keep kids home. The, uh, the statisticians started weighing one state versus another state. And, uh, and that's always kind of a strange proposition because there isn't a constant. So you're just, you're comparing two abnormalities to one another. And then you're trying to decide which one is more abnormal, um, which is, which is a difficult thing to do when you don't have that, that constant test group. You don't have a group that's, you see? So what's your baseline, right? So that's a little bit tricky. Um, but now here we are at a, at a point where we can say to the kids, all right, you can uh, drop the masks. Hopefully, we've gotten everybody that uh, is susceptible, and especially at the older ages, vaccinated. Because if the kids drop their masks, I got a feeling that we could see a slight increase in cases. I'm not... I don't think it's going to be a huge increase, and so many people got Omicron except for Deborah and uh, and the rest of the crew here. But uh, but I do think we're probably going to see a few more cases that are going to float around. I think we're we're going to see a, a I don't even want to say a surge. We're just going to see a, a slight uptick uh, as these masks come off as we try to get back to sort of normal life. But I don't know what that looks like, especially when we've got gas prices as high as they are. Something we'll we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, I think we've learned some lessons in this last year about getting along, you know, making it through challenging times. And I think that gas prices being as high as they are, which, of course, sticker shock to everyone. This may be one of those times that we start looking at lessons we learned from COVID and trying to apply that to other uh, areas where we're facing challenges. And I'll I'll expound on that uh, coming up here after three o'clock because I think it's uh, salient. Uh, I think it's timely. But I have to tell you about this, and, and I'm sure Deborah, being on top of all the news, saw this. What a wild situation when a reporter is on scene and something tragic happens on camera. Such was the case for KTLA. We'll tell you about that in just a few moments. I'm Chris Merrill, in for John and Ken. KFI AM 640, live everywhere in your iHeartRadio app. It's John and Ken Show, KFI, AM 640, more stimulating talk. I'm Chris Merrill, in for the voice. So, it was so funny, we were talking before the show that the production team and myself, we were talking about some of the viral videos that we've seen that have popped up today, and there's been, there were three that I saw. Before I even cracked my computer, I was sitting on my phone, in bed, surfing the Twitter machine, 
and I ran across uh, a few stories that I thought were just so incredibly outrageous. And uh, I do a little more investigation, and oh, surprise, <laughs> happened right here in our backyard. The, the first one, which is just wild, <laughs> and and whoever the driver was in the situation, just hey, bonehead, you're busted. Uh, Gene Kang from KTLA is at Hoover and 84th Street, and they were talking about the car accidents at Hoover and 84th Street, and they were talking about um, the uh, there was a hit and run there and a bad deal, and, and uh, it killed a 42-year-old uh, father. He was crossing the street um, on February 26th, so they were doing kind of a follow-up story on that, talking about how bad the traffic was at this intersection. So he's getting ready to do this report, and lo and behold, as if, uh, as if on cue, uh, as he's saying, this is a, a terribly dangerous intersection. Smack! Right behind him. Have a listen to this. You see Hoover Street here. Officials say it's one of the most dangerous streets in all of Los Angeles. And now... <laughs> I mean, it almost sounds like a sound effect, doesn't it? It sounds like somebody just laid a sound effect underneath him. Uh, and, uh, again, listen. One of the most dangerous intersections. Most dangerous streets in all of Los Angeles, and now. Yeah, just more evidence as to how scary it is here on Hoover Street. Uh, yeah, it is. It's just just more evidence. Uh, I'm so glad that happened, so I could give you just a little more evidence about what happened. So as Kang is sitting there. He's talking about this is one of the most dangerous intersections. As if on cue, the sedan pulls uh, to the reporter's right, what would uh, the viewer's left, into the intersection, T-bones another car, sends his car off onto the curb, and then into another vehicle. The car that did the smashing then spins around, and that's when you hear the tires squealing, as he spins around, he or she, I don't know who was driving, he or she spins around and floors it to get out of there. This was out of here. You hear him just speed up off the out of the intersection. And I can't help but think, okay, Goober, you are so inattentive. And I don't know. I probably should. I'm, I'm not even being logical when I see this. They get to this intersection. They see the TV van. They see the TV crew. They hit somebody. At that moment, you would think, oh, uh, I'm busted. I should not flee the scene of this accident because it's most certainly caught on film, right? It is done. The problem with my logic, however... And I acknowledge this, is that uh, if the car were attentive enough that it might see the van, the news van, and the reporter with the camera person set up there filming things, then the same driver probably would have been attentive enough to notice that there was someone else uh, coming through that intersection. They didn't slow down a bit. I don't know the situation. We still don't know what the situation was behind this, if it was a stolen car, if it was somebody that was drunk. We don't have any idea. But not only did they, not only did they hit somebody, flip the car around and speed away, all caught on camera, their license plate fell off. So that happened. Another one is I was on uh, the internet this morning. I was on the Twitter machine, and um, I think uh, Rex Chapman retweeted this. It was from uh, Fox Eleven, and uh, it's another one of those fantastic, you know, pursuits. The same one of the big reasons I listen to the Tim Conway show is I love listening to his. Uh, uh, play-by-play of these these pursuits, but Stu Mandel was uh, in the in the uh, helicopter talking about this. Guy jumps out. He's uh, we've got a, a bunch of helicopter guys, right? 
bunch of LA cops that are trying to chase this guy down. And when they're not looking, he hides behind a car. It's all, the, the helicopter is watching the whole thing. The helicopter is trained on the suspect as the officers come by. And it was almost a Keystone Cops type situation where they go, where the guy just hides. The cops run past him. I kept expecting him to jump out from his hiding spot and take off the other direction. He never did. Law enforcement. And this is one of those things, you know, law enforcement, they have to, they have to keep these people safe. And, and then you can see it right there. The suspect trying to get into somebody's property or still trying to hide, but uh, doing a very, very poor job of it. So he says he's doing a poor job. This guy is hidden. There's a there's a fence, kind of a a, a gate, like a, a a fenced gate, I guess, or a gated fence. I don't know what you call it, but it's his long gate, and there's a car parked in front of the gate that's sort of backed up into a, a corner. The guy hides behind the the rear fender of the car, tucked way back into that corner. All right, and cops now pull up and jump out of the vehicles. Right there, LAPD coming to a stop. Oh, come on, guys, he's right there. <laughs> the officer's running right by him. They're, they're going right by him. Our, our, I'm sorry, uh, Angie, our pilot today, talking on O2, trying to tell the officers that this suspect is right there. And, uh, and again, you just saw that. Oh, my goodness, I just feel so bad for those officers making their way back now. It's the blue car. There we go. Somebody's getting somebody's getting. The information somebody's got to be getting there for it keep coming around Ange. keep coming around keep coming around that's the helicopter is flying around this the guy is hiding and now he's laying on his belly sort of behind the tire and the back the, the back door of this car the the tv uh reporters and the pilot are trying to radio to the police where this guy is because they can't see him if not for this helicopter, this guy might have won hide-and-seek because at this point, the officers were fanning out and trying to figure out where he where he went. He was right there the whole time. Suspect, unbelievable. They we're watching this live, and you have to understand that these officers, they don't know what the information that we know, but again, that LAPD helicopter just arriving. There you go. Some of those officers must be getting that information. There you go. There you go. And now that suspect going into custody. Wow. Wow. And... They haven't seen him yet. This is unbelievable. There we go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so they got word, and all of a sudden, you see one of the cops kind of drop down on his belly and look under the car. And at that point, he can see that the guy is under there. And then he kind of plays, the cop sort of plays dumb. And he, he walks around like, oh, I don't see you, telling the officer, the other officer, he's right over my shoulder. He's right there. Wait for the other guys to come around. He waited for the other officers to to approach from the back side of the vehicle, and they all then uh, they all then went in on on this guy who was already lying on the ground. So at this point, they didn't have to throw him down to the ground to cuff him or whatever. He was already laying on his belly. And the most remarkable thing, and especially hearing Stu up there, come on guys, he's right there. It was the same thing the rest of us were were thinking as we're watching the video. We're going, no, no, he's right there. No, you missed. It. He's right there. It's almost like watching one of those those uh, uh, comedies on TV, right? With your kids, especially. I love when the kids watch TV because they'll start yelling at the TV, right? He's right there. Get him. He's right there. And I say kids, but of course, as they get older, then it turns into us old men doing the same thing for football games. Fumble, fumble, the ball's right there. Same situation. Same way all the way around. One thing that guy won't have to worry about for a while, I believe, is going to be the high gas prices. You, on the other hand, if you were not arrested by the LAPD today, you are concerned about it. So, what's being done? Well, well, you might be short on gas, but there's plenty of hot air to go around. That's next. Chris Merrill in for John and Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on your iHeartRadio app. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org.